talking about a subject that I know that you all have mastered, love. Everyone got love down? You got love down? Say amen. Oh, that wasn't a very good amen. Love, love, love. So easy, you don't even have to try, right? Because you just fall into it. I thought that was good. <laughs> Apparently not. They asked kids, what is love? Justin, at the tender age of 11, was asked to define what is love. How many of you had a grasp of it at 11 years old, huh? Yeah. Justin said, love is when you kiss a girl for the first time, and then you'll know you'll never be bored again because you can always think about kissing her. <laughs> I think that's pretty solid for 11, right? Oscar Wilde once said, women are meant to be loved, not to be understood. Can I get an amen from the guys? Can I get an amen? Richard Jenny said, honesty is the key to relationship. If you can fake that, you're in. Shakespeare, of course, said, the course of love never did run smooth. Renee asked me one time, she said, will you love me no matter what? No matter what? What do you think I said? I said, baby doll, I love you no matter what you do, but do you have to do so much of it? Do you have to do so much? <laughs> Rita Reuter said, I love being married. It's so great to find one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. So what does God's word say about love? We're talking about 1 Corinthians 13. God's word says love, it always protects, it always trusts, it always, what's that word? It always hopes, it always perseveres, it always overcomes. Love always hopes. Have you lost your fire? Have you lost your hopes about today? The Bible actually says this wonderful verse that you ought to say every day. It says, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Be glad in it. Have you done any rejoicing yet? I mean, it's 1119. Have you done any rejoicing as of 1119 on Sunday morning? Yes, you just praise God, I hope, singing. Love always, 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 always hopes. Pastor uh, Dutch Sheets tells this story. It's an amazing story about a 40-year-old woman who was having open-heart surgery. There was blockage in one of her arteries, and she had to known what, have what is known as a bypass surgery. It's a delicate procedure, but it's performed routinely. Thousands of them are done every year. During the operation, the surgeon actually clamps off the main artery to the heart and hooks it up to a machine, and the machine pumps the blood and keeps the lungs working for the person's body and the heart actually stops beating during the surgery and once the operation is over, they remove the machine and the warmth from the blood usually flows into the heart and it usually wakes up the heart and the heart starts beating again. If not, they have some drugs that they can give the heart to kind of wake it up. Well, this particular woman was on the operating table and the bypass was finished, but when they removed the machine, for some reason, her blood did not wake up her heart. So they gave her a drug and it didn't work and they gave her another drug and another drug and no success and the surgeon was very troubled and very concerned and the surgeon actually reached in and began massaging her heart trying to stimulate that muscle but still no heartbeat. After doing everything he could medically, he leaned over into her ear and said, Mary, this is the doctor. I've done everything I can do now. Now I need you to tell your heart to beat again. He stepped back, and a couple seconds later, he heard it. Boom, 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 boom. 
and her heart began beating again. Some of you today have been through some disappointments. Life hasn't turned out the way you'd hoped. I mean, how many of you could say, life turned out exactly the way I'd hoped? And you can, you can surrender to that. You can sit on the sidelines. But God may be telling you today, in fact, God is telling you today, you need to tell your heart to beat again. Tell your heart to dream again. Tell your heart to love again. Love always hopes. I have a friend, after 26 years of marriage, he went through his divorce. His wife left him a note on the kitchen table. That's how I found out. I found somebody else. He was very depressed, very down. He came to see me a few times, and I, I, I told him what I'm going to tell you. I said, you know what? God has a new beginning for you, but you have to tell your heart to beat again. And little by little, he, start, he got his joy back. He got his vision back. And not long after that, God brought a beautiful woman to his life and he got remarried. And I actually got to do the wedding again. It was really, really cool. And he told me that he's happier than he's ever been. But he had to make a decision to let his heart beat again. Somebody say amen. amen. 1937, uh, architect Frank Lloyd Wright built a house for industrialist Hibbert Johnson. One rainy evening, Johnson was entertaining distinguished guests for dinner when the roof began to leak. The water seeped through the roof directly above Johnson himself, dripping steadily onto his bald head. Irate, he called the architect in Phoenix, Arizona. Frank, you built this beautiful house for me and we enjoy it very much, but the roof leaks. And right now, I'm entertaining some friends and distinguished guests and right now, the roof is leaking right on top of my head. There was a pause on the line, and Frank Lloyd Wright report, reportedly replied, well, Hib, why don't you move your chair? <laughs> How many of you have ever experienced a roof leaking on your life? Anyone here? Oh, apparently not. You're all just a bunch of wonderful angels. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Y'all come up here and finish the sermon then. <laughs> Some of you need to move your chair in life. Billy Sunday once said, if there's no joy in your religion, you've got a leak in your faith. You may have been through a setback, but don't sit around in self-pity. Tell your heart to beat again. Tell your heart to love again. Maybe somebody did you wrong. Don't let that poison you. Tell your heart to forgive again. A dream didn't work out. Nothing's going to change if you expect more of the same. Some of you allowed the pressures of life to weigh you down. You're solemn. You're serious all the time. Some Christians are so serious all the time. And you know what I tell them sometimes? Are you joyful? Go ahead and answer that. Are you joyful? You know what I say to them? Tell your face. <laughs> Tell your face. We need to see it. Tell your heart to smile. Get your joy back. Get your enthusiasm back. This day today is all you have. And it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And you can actually get excited about your future. Jesus said in Revelation 2, I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. It doesn't say you lost it. It says you have left it. That means you can go get it. You haven't lost your passion, you have left it. So if you've left something behind, you can go back and get it. The other night I opened up a book and I began to read this book, but I didn't get past the first line of the book. It's an amazing book, it's called The Go-Between by L.P. Hartley. And the opening line is this, the past is a foreign country, they do things differently there. I put the book down. I didn't read another line. I don't even know how the book goes after that. Renee's like, 
You're not going to read your book? I go, I'm stuck on the first line. I'm not sure how it plays out, but just think about that if, if we really applied that in our life. The past is a foreign country. Think about how that applies in light of God's mercy and God's grace in your life. In the past, I was defeated. In the past, I was discouraged. In the past, I don't live there anymore. In the past, I often spoke harshly to my spouse, but the past is a foreign country. I don't live there anymore. In the past, I put my, my wants ahead of everybody else's needs, but the past is a foreign country. In the past, I was overcome with resentment. In the past, my life felt like it was going nowhere. In the past, my prayer life was non-existent. In the past, my dreams died. Do you get the point? Think of how empowering that would be if you said, you know what, the past is a foreign country. I don't live there anymore. I do things differently now. Somebody say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to do things differently right now. Go ahead and say that. That feels good, doesn't it? It feels good to tell people that, doesn't it? Don't go into details, just say that, okay. Some of you are still talking about how they need to change. I always get that. People always go, oh, can you email this message? I'm like, great. Is it for you? No, no, it's for someone else. Love always hopes. Love always has enthusiasm. It's interesting. The, the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, and theos means God. When you're enthusiastic, it actually means you're full of God. When you get up in the morning excited about your future, recognizing that, hey, this day is a gift. I've got a beat in my heart. I've got breath in my lungs. I've got eyes that can see. Yesterday, I was at the beach doing a beach wedding. And I saw something that just absolutely touched my heart. It's not part of my notes. I'm sitting there. I'm getting ready to go do this wedding. And right next to the, the wedding, because there's a bunch of people on the beach, because it's Texas. And we go to the beach in October. People in Pennsylvania don't understand that. It's too cold there. Anyways, so right next to the wedding, there's a, there's a young man. He's probably 26, 27 years old. And he's playing football with his two sons. Now you say, no big deal. It happens all the time. But he was a veteran. I know because I went over and talked to him. I also know because he had two prosthetic legs. And both of his arms were, were blown off an IED and he just had literally at his elbows here. And he's picking up a football and throwing it better than most of you could. And he's running around on the beach and picking up a football and then playing Frisbee. And I went over to him and I'm just like, dude, you're, you're amazing. If you think, I mean, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, I have so many problems. Look what this guy's overcome. A veteran for our country. And I thanked him for our service. Imagine complaining about your life when you see that. Hello? <laughs> studies tell us that people, studies show that if you're enthusiastic, you're going to get more breaks in life. Why? Because you're full of God. But too many people have lost their enthusiasm. At one time, they were excited about their dreams, excited about their marriage, excited about their future. So I asked this guy, this veteran, who doesn't have his arms anymore or his legs, how do you feel about life? He said, you know what? I've had some setbacks, 
But look at me, I'm able to play football with my kids on the beach. Wow. Hello? (laughs) So, I don't want to hear about your problems. (laughs) Because they're nothing compared to that. You don't have to learn how to throw a football without your arms. Or a frisbee. God didn't breathe life into you today. Think about that. God breathed life into every one of us. He didn't create us in his image and crown us with his favor and equip us with his power just to go through the motions of life with no enthusiasm. You may have had some setbacks. The wind may have been taken out of your sail, but this is a new day. God wants to breathe new life back into you. A couple of years ago, I was watching the news. I don't know if you remember this. I actually made a great movie with Tom Hanks with Captain Schulenberg successfully landed a jet airplane on the Hudson River. Remember that? All 155 passengers survived. It's known as the miracle on the Hudson. A reporter, I remember, forget this, a reporter asked one passenger, a man who had just been rescued, what he thought about it all. He was soaking wet, freezing cold, a bit frazzled, of course, but he had this incredible glow about him. He had full of enthusiasm. I'll never forget what he told the reporter. He said, I was alive before, but now I'm really alive. (laughs) My question is to you, are you really alive? Are you really passionate about God and the life that God has given you? Do you get up every morning with enthusiasm pursuing your dreams? Or are you like, huh, let's go through the motions. Love always hopes. You have the seeds of greatness inside of you. You have the breath of God inside of you. God made you or God's masterpiece. And the day you quit being passionate about what's in front of you is the day you go from living to existing. And the day you quit taking new ground, they put you in it. David says in scripture, this is another day the Lord has made. I refuse to drag through it with no passion. I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful I can breathe without pain. I'm grateful that I have a family. I'm grateful I wasn't harmed in an accident. I'm grateful I'm alive. I'm grateful I have two legs and two arms at work and I can go play football today with my kids on the beach. (laughs) Apostle Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift, fan the flame. If you think this message is complex, then it's not. I was going to insult you, but I won't. This is a very simple message. (laughs) I had to catch myself. Can you believe it? I actually filtered myself. I'm so proud of myself right now. Yeah, yeah. Pastor John actually filtered himself. 26 years later, I could do it. Every day we make a decision. Every day we wake up, I'm stuck in a rut. I'm going to just go through the motions. Or, you know what, this is a gift today. I get to join God in what God's doing in history and make up there come down here today? I get to breathe hope and life into people? Are you kidding me? What an opportunity. Think about when your kids were born. What a day of joy that was. Right? For me, it was a little traumatic. Because Renee had some drama going on and level four episiotomy, and I had to sit down, and I almost passed out, and they had to bring me a towel and orange juice, and both me, both me and Jacob pinked up at the same time. It was good. And, but, the, but watching my wife give birth, I believe in miracles. 
But I said two things when Renee was giving birth. One, thank God I'm a man. <laughs> two, Lord help her. And you looked at your kids and you're like, oh, what a miracle. Oh, what a gift from God. Then they grow up. <laughs> and then you see them and you go, God, why did you do this to me? No, don't let it become so common that you lose your enthusiasm for what your kids are. Every time you see your children, you should say, thank you, God. You're a gift from God. I got an email a couple weeks ago. It's pretty interesting. I love getting emails from people I don't know because they're just so brutally honest. You, you lie to me. You know me, we lie. You don't know me, you don't care. I don't know if I believe in God, Pastor. I don't know if I believe in miracles. God's supposed to be a God of miracles, but I'm just not sure about this God stuff and miracle stuff, Pastor. I'm just not sure. But I did watch your message, but I'm just not sure. I began my response this way. We live on a blue planet that circles around a ball of fire at 67,000 miles per hour next to a moon that moves the sea, and you don't believe in miracles? You know, as an earthling, it's easy to believe we're standing still. Some of you are drowsy right now. Wake up, he's talking about you. When you, when you look at the sky, you can see evidence that we're moving. How many of you feel like this sermon's moving a bit slow today? You can say it, it's okay. Actually, it's moving at 67,000 miles per hour. You think I talk fast? Our orbital speed around the sun is 67,000 miles per hour. Look at the stars. Man, see what God does. You cut yourself, your body knows how to heal itself. What is that? You try making something like that. Well, when I cut it, it just heals itself. What? Wake up to the wonders of what God is doing and God has done. Love never loses its passion for life. You know, at the office, sometimes people just go to work and they just, you know, go in there and clock in just to get by. But the scripture says when you go to work, you're not working onto people, you're working for God. How would you feel if, if God gave you a review of your performance at work? You're coming in late every day. When people greet people at the church, it's not, oh, I got to greet people or oh, I got to take care of the kids or Sunday school. No, it's, it's what an opportunity. The, the greatest compliment of our children's ministry is one of the parents told me last week, oh, we, we've been missing. I go, yeah, yeah, COVID. They go, no, not that. We've been lazy. I go, oh, well, what happened? Well, our kids told us they wanted to get back to Sunday school. So it wasn't for the sermon? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I grew up, uh, lived in San Antonio for high school, and I lived at one time, uh, my dad went from the Air Force to USA. We had a house in San Antonio, and it was over by Wincrest Mall. And I would go over to Wincrest Mall. I drove my 1973 AMC station wagon that could start without a key. The Brady Bunchmobile grocery getter. 
completely yellow with brown wood paneling across. The rotten banana is what people called it. I was proud. I got in that 1973 AMC station wagon and I drove over Dairy Queen and I put on my corduroy pants and my corduroy hat and I did ice cream for $3.35 an hour, which meant if I worked four hours after taxes, I still made less than 10 bucks. <laughs> but I was proud. But one of the coolest things I got to see when I got to go to the mall was they had this traffic cop and he danced while he worked. He had the whistle, he had the white gloves. He was moonwalking. I can't moonwalk. Get another pastor for that, I can't do it. People would pull over at the mall and just watch him. He was that entertaining, that good. And when he blew his whistle and stopped, you stopped because you wanted to watch the dance. He was passionate. That's the way it should be. Don't drag through life. Put a smile on people's face. Have a springer's at moonwalk if you have to. Well, you say, John, I'd be passionate if I had your life or your wife. No, no, don't do that. Or I'd be passionate if I had someone else's life. Don't fall into that trap. You've got to run your race, not someone else's race. Quit trying to run somebody else's race. You know who you are. Oh, I wish I was in that heat. I wish I was in that race. I wish I had that life. I confess to this. I had it the other night. There was, Renee was flipping around on HGTV. She loves that channel. And they had the My Dream House lottery winners. And had this guy on there with his wife. And this guy was, I mean, he just, just I was just like overcome because... I just thought to myself, what is this guy? He goes, oh, I did three scratch-offs and the third one was a charm. And they go, the host says, how much did you win? $10 million. So now our budget for our house is $2 million. I'm sitting there watching the show and I'm going, why did that doofus win and why was it not me? I should have won the $2 million and $10 million. I should be shopping for the $2 million house. Have you ever felt that way? Do not watch that show. It will lead you into sin. I told Renee, turn this off and put on football like we're supposed to watch. You go in the other room. I don't want to watch football. <laughs> you can be all excited about the big vacation you planned, looking forward to it, telling your friends, yeah, I'm going to take two weeks off. And your friend comes up to you, go, well, we're going to Europe, you know, and travel the Swiss Alps, meet friends in Paris, celebrate my birthday in Italy. And all of a sudden, your vacation to Conroe, East Texas doesn't look that good. Because <laughs> you're trying to run their race. You can be all excited about your husband. Oh, my husband's great. Until you meet your co-worker's husband, right? He's tall, dark, and handsome. And your husband is short, white, and not so handsome. Her husband looks like he stepped out of GQ. Your husband looks like he stepped out of DQ. <laughs> Dairy Queen. He don't have him a belt buster. Several belt busters and his belt done busted. <laughs> That's not in the Bible, but it's still good, all right? Say it, so. Some of you are like, what verse is that? The one where your husband comes from DQ. 
I love what Mae West says, love thy neighbor. And if he happens to be tall, debonair, and and devastating, it'll be that much easier. (laughs) Don't compare your spouse or your talent or your looks or your car or your house. This is what keeps many people from running their own race. The problem is you're always going to see someone more talented, more beautiful, more successful. They're going to be on TV. Run your own race. Be the best you can be. The scripture actually says that God has given us the power to enjoy what God has allotted and appointed to us. That simply means I don't have the power to enjoy your life. You have more success, more money, more friends, better job. But if you put me in your life, I'm not going to enjoy it. We're uniquely designed to run our own race. And you have to get comfortable with who you are. And I'll be honest, it took me about 10 years in preaching before I felt like, okay, yeah, I'm a preacher. Because it's an interesting question. Tell people, when people ask you what you do, tell them you're a preacher and see what they do. You get two kinds of reactions. Oh, that's so good. Let's pray. Or they look at you like you're a used car salesman that just ripped them off. So now I tell people, I write for a living. I write. I'm a writer and a speaker. What do you write about? Oh, stuff you wouldn't be interested in. Quit wishing you were someone else. If I had his talent, no. If God wanted you to have his talent, he would have given it to you. Take what you have and develop it. Make the most of it. If I had her looks, no, God gave you your looks. That's not an accident. The life has, that you have has been perfectly matched for you by God. Now do your part and get excited about it. Live your life. Do the natural. God will do the supernatural. When you're passionate about who you are in life, it brings honor to God. And God will breathe in your direction and the seeds of greatness will come to life. Really, it's an insult to God when you say, I wish I was someone else. God, why did you make me subpar? Why did you make me less than? No, God doesn't make anyone subpar or less than. God didn't make anyone inferior. He didn't make any person second class. We're the one that put the class on it. Every one of you is a masterpiece. You're fully loaded. You're totally equipped for the race. That's been designed for you. So your attitude should be, I may not be tall or dark or successful as someone else. That's okay. Nobody will ever be a better me. I'm anointed to be a me. I'm equipped to be me. Not only that, it's easy to be me. Renee read that and she goes, oh yeah, that was easy for you to write. (laughs) Sounds really arrogant. No, it's not. You should be you. God made you the way you are. But so often we're tempted. We're trying to be something we're not. I've seen dark-skinned people (laughs) put on cream to try to become lighter. And then I've known light-skinned people that go to the tanning bed every day to try to become darker. This elderly lady (laughs) came last week. She's from Houston. She's not ever coming again. And I'm not sure if she's going to watch. Probably not. But she, she stopped in the narthex there and she touched the poof. She's like, and I'm like backing up, but she kept coming. She touched it. She goes, I wish I had a poof like you do. I said, you know how much product and, and blow drying you have to do for this? It's like a half hour every day. 
she's like, well, she was kind of thinning, her hair was thinning. She goes, well, I'm just trying to keep my hair. And I said, you know what, these days you can do something about it. If, it, if you have straight hair and you want curly hair, you can permit. Rosanna, Rosanna, remember her? You can do that. If you have gray hair and you want it darker, you can dye it. I mean, you know, there's options, obviously. <laughs> and if you have no hair, you can buy it. Take some responsibility for being happy, friends. And the reality is, when you come to church, when you're around other Christians, and I mean this when I say this, we should be breathing life into other people. We should be encouraging people. We should be so full of God enthusiasm and so full of Jesus that we're like, hey, you know what? This is what, we should just be lifting them up. Cheering people on, celebrating their success. You have no time to be envious or trying to run their race. We should be lifting each other up, cheering each other on, not trying to outshine one another. You know, the sky would be pretty dark with just one star. Abraham Lincoln, my favorite president, you should read his reelection speech. It's a sermon. How I long for a president like Abraham Lincoln. When he was president of the United States, read his stuff. You really ought to read his stuff. He, he was advised that, that his cabinet said, we really ought to bring this certain person onto your cabinet, President Lincoln. And Lincoln said, I, I don't want him on my cabinet. And they said, why? And he said, I don't like his face. The cabinet person said to Lincoln, but the poor man isn't responsible for his face. And Lincoln said these words, every man over 40 is responsible for his face. It wasn't that the guy was physically ugly. He had an ugly disposition, a sour disposition. He was bitter, a disdainful person. That's what Lincoln was saying. And I think God is saying to some of us Christians, I don't like your face. Tell it, have some joy. I mean, think about it. Jesus has forgiven you. You have the gift of eternal life. You're never going to die. Hello? Oh, well, that's no big deal. <laughs> you get to spend eternity with the ones you love because of what Jesus has done. No, I don't know. No big deal, huh? <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> no, it's better than cool. Another key to stay passionate about your life is stay productive. Man. One of my heroes in the church is Avril Walters, 82 years old. I don't even know if she's still in church. Is she still here? There she is. You can't stop Avril Walters. You can't slow her down. That lady's got more energy than me. She's amazing. She comes in the office, okay, and I love it. When you call her, she, you, don't, you don't get the, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? No, it's mid-sentence. Listen here, you want to... It's Averill. Love it. Full of life. Full of enthusiasm. Keep your goals in front of you. You may retire from your job, but you don't retire from life. The word retirement is not in the Bible. 
Imagine if Jesus said, well, I really don't want to do the cross thing. I think I'm going to get my 401k really boosted up and chill out on Ocean Drive till I pass. What? Yeah, I'm not really into that whole cross dying thing. God promises, it's actually an interesting scripture, God promises if we... If we'll keep him in first place, he'll give us a long, satisfied life. You say, how long is a satisfied life? Well, until you're satisfied. I guess if you quit producing at 50, you're satisfied, the promise is fulfilled. But I don't know about you, but I've got way too much, I've got way too many messages in me to die. I mean, I'm ready to go. I've actually been writing on messages for the next four weeks. I know you're really excited about it, but I am. I'm like, ah. Oh. I woke up at two in the morning the other night, I start writing. Renee's like, what the, are you doing? I'm like, write a message. God just spoke to me. She goes, go in the other room. <laughs> I've got dreams that haven't come to pass. We, we've got a dream here at Grace. We, we, we're going to build a sanctuary. Okay, some of you get a little more excited. <laughs> this is going to be the lobby. You mean the lobby of the church with couches and coffee and... People running around. I mean, I've got children to enjoy, a wife to raise. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Okay, I'm going to need a ride home now. But it would give me a ride home. I've got grandchildren I ain't even seen yet. Don't be working on them, Jacob. Just saying. Or Zach. Good Lord. When I get to be about 90 years old and I'm still strong, I'm still healthy, still full of joy, then I'll say, okay, God, all right, I'm satisfied. I'm ready for my change of address. Let's go. But I know people that are way too satisfied. They quit living at 50 and we don't bury them till they're 80. They're alive, but they're not really living. They went through a disappointment. They've had a failure. Somebody did them wrong and they've lost their joy and they've settled where they are. No, God has another victory in front of you. You won't be, you wouldn't be breathing unless God has something in your future. You've got to get your passion back. Scripture says God will bring us to a flourishing finish, not a fizzled out finish. You've got to do your part, shake off the self-pity, shake off the self-disappointment. You may have a good reason to feel sorry for yourself, but you know what? When you see a guy with no legs and no arms throwing a football on the beach, it's hard to feel sorry for yourself. David said, lift up your head and the king of glory will come in. If your head's down and discouraged, no joy, no passion, no enthusiasm, the king of glory will not come in. But when you get up every morning and say, Father, thank you for another day. Thank you for another sunrise. Thank you for the gift of living in South Texas where we don't have to wear snow clothes. I love being able to walk my dog year round. People up north are like, what are you doing walking your dog? I'm like, it's 95 degrees today. I mean, I could use a little cooler. We all have unfair things that happen to us. Don't let that sour your life. I love the saying, trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional. Let me close with this story about never losing your passion and your love for life. It's a story about how love always hopes. In 1912... Marathon runner Shizu Kanakura was chosen to represent Japan in the Summer Olympics in Stockholm. He began the race with the rest of the runners. 
But along the way, he suffered from heat stroke. He stopped at someone's garden and got a few drinks, but he stayed a little too long, just water, and more than an hour, and he thought it's now too late to get back in the race. He took a train to his hotel and caught a boat back home, too ashamed to tell anyone that he left. For more than 50 years, he was listed as a missing person in Sweden until a journalist finally found him. He had spent the last several decades living a quiet life in southern Japan, lost his enthusiasm, lost his passion, failed at the race. Shame was his constant companion. But in 1966, the Swedish public television network called him and made him an offer. Would you like to finish the run? So 85-year-old Kankura accepted and traveled to Stockholm to finish the race he had started so many years before. This time he crossed the finish line and his final time was 54 years, eight months, six days, eight hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. Now, what's interesting about that story is the scripture says the rewards are not for starting the race. The rewards are for you finishing the race. Acts 20, 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Every one of you has a task. And here it is, to make God's kingdom come, to make God's will be done up there, coming down here, we pray at every prayer in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, God, your will be done in my life. That means I'm forgiving. That means I don't choose bitterness. That means I don't choose holding grudges. That means I have some joy in my life. That means I have some enthusiasm in life. That means I go over and thank veterans who have sacrificed their legs and arms for my freedom. And I refuse to be overcome with self-pity. And recognize it's never too late to run the race. You can start running again today. The finish line is still there. Love always hopes it never gives up. It always perseveres. So let's get to hoping and let's get to living. Let's pray. God of grace, we give thanks for this time to come together and consider how love always hopes and what it means to be a person of hope. Father, I pray that we'll be full of your enthusiasm, that you'll live so greatly and so strongly and so much in us that when people see us, they will not see us, they will see you, God. And Father, I pray that we'll be content to run our own race. We'll recognize, Lord, that you've appointed us a place in life and we're called to run that race and not someone else's race. And Father, help us to recognize all that you've done for us, that you have breathed life into us, your life, and you have given to us Jesus who out of love for each of us climbed up on the cross and sacrificed and died for us so that we might have the abundant life, not just when we die, but right here, right now, today, which is why Jesus said, I've come to bring you abundant life. So Father, help us to claim that abundant life, to live in that abundant life to leave here today rejoicing and celebrating the good news. Because God, if we were so full of your love, if we were so full of your enthusiasm, if we were so full of your encouragement, people would look at us and say, what is it? What do you have? 
And we could say, Jesus. And they would surely say, I want some of that. So God, help us to be full of that. To reclaim our fire, to tell our hearts to start beating again for you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who came to bring us abundant joy as we say the prayer that he taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, this is in heaven. Give us this day our dear bread. Forgive us debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Grace Presbyterian Church. We hope and we trust that this message was a blessing and gave you much encouragement as you face today. At Grace Presbyterian Church, we are a church family that welcomes everyone who welcomes everyone. And we would love to welcome you. So please join us either online or in person. You'll find a community that loves God and loves each other. And we are blessed by other people joining us. So please come and join us at Grace Presbyterian Church.